thoughts, ideas, people, caravan maintenance, trundle beds. What's that plastic thing doing down there? Shut up, Renee. Quiche. Niche. Niche's quiche. Here's Sam Simmons. They seek him here. They seek him there. He is the man with not much hair. His name is Samuel. Samuel. And that last bit was slightly out of tune. Hi. Hi, everyone. Um, I hope you had a really good week. I had a good... I, look, I've had a, I've had a strange week. And when I say strange, it's probably not that strange. It's not like, um, you know, I picked at a scab and then suddenly like a small little uh, a razorback pig uh, crawled out of the crevice in the crack and looked at me and said, My name's Martin. Would you like me to take me home to be parents' fight? Um, anyway, it wasn't strange, strange, but it was just an odd week. I don't know. Anyway, I've done two kids parties this weekend, so I'm spent. Spent! Um, it's, I mean, it's more stressful for the person who has to, I mean, I wasn't performing at the kids party. It's not like that's, uh, how I'm earning my coin. Um, but I, re- I attended two kids parties and it's a lot of effort, uh, running a kids party. Uh, but even just attending, it's a big chunk of your day. It's not like, you know, they say between 10 and 1, 1 PM. It's never going to be that. You know that because there's all the prep before it. Uh, you shop for the prep, got to find the present. Then you've got to uh, wrap the present. Then you got to bloody, oh, I got to get a card. Oh, you draw a card. Then you force your child to like bloody draw a card for the child. Um, then wrap, yeah, wrap, wrapping. Where's the sticky tape? Oh, where's the scissors? It's just a whole lot of stuff going on. Like, yes, in my home, we don't have... Actually, I'm going to write that down to talk about later in the podcast about rules within... The relationship. So I'll bring that up later on. Um, yeah, so, yeah, two kids parties. Mind you, this is post-Adelaide as well, so I just did the Fringe Festival. Thanks, everybody who came in Adelaide. Bloody hell, the response was really interesting. So I think I'm sitting... I do think I'm sitting on something quite amazing with this show, but I reckon I really fucked with some audience members' heads. And I think it was mainly the... A few um, oldies that came along who listen to the who watch Cats Countdown and go, oh, I like him on that SBS show, and then they come along and go, what the, f- what's he doing, Beryl? What's he doing? It's just nothing like he's not. What's he talking about? He's talking about verification and social media. Um, I think I really like because the show's pretty wild, and I think it freaked out a few people. And there's a bit at the end where I talk about the. Oh, anyway, it's full on. It's a piece of art, and it's. I think it's the best thing I've done. I reckon it might be... Look, I think it's my best show. I'm going out on a limb and saying it. I think it's a little bit of a masterpiece, and that sounds really arrogant, but I love it. Um, and if you don't get it, and you're like, oh, bloody, just want to listen to some simple comedy, which it is. It's simple comedy at the same time. It's just It did freak some people out, which I really love, but uh, the response has been extraordinary. So people who love the show, love the show. Um, and I think people that didn't really get along just enjoyed the spectacle because it is a spectacle. It's a proper show show. So I've got a giant screen on stage and I'm interacting with it. Um, it's almost like karaoke style lyrics within. I had a bloody interpreter in last week, which is good. Um, signing for, but I, I said to the audience before it started, I said, oh, by the way, people, um, maybe I mentioned this last time on the podcast. I probably did. Yes, I did. I would have, I would have covered it. Anyway, um, Adelaide, thank you so much for having me. It was just, yeah, I had such a marvelous time staying at my mate's house 
in prospect and just kind of having a bit of time off from my little angel um, who's driving me mental. Oh my God, her and her magical little fucking mind. And I know people always say, like, you'll look back at these years and go, these are the best years you'll have, like, with a with a toddler and their imaginations. But my God, just just take your imagination and fuck off for a minute. Um, yeah, not, not to say that I'm not enjoying the magical imagination and all this stuff, but um, it's just getting a bit intense. Um, Daddy is king at the moment. And it's, yeah, it's, it's like, it's, yeah, it's literally like being shackled to a toddler uh, at the moment, which I'm, I am enjoying at the same time, which sounds really wrong, what I'm saying. But um, yeah, it's doing me mind hole in, in, in. Anyway, uh, yes, two kids parties. The one today was fantastic. So I just I just left that one then. And gee, the catering, I've got to say, like, so it was, a, I, think it, I think one parent is Croatian, I think, and the other parent is, is of Vietnamese origin. But my God, the food, woo! There's so much good stuff there. There's banh mi, little rice paper rolls filled with all the little stuff and things. Um, bloody uh, Yaya had done some chicken wings up the back. It was just it was above and beyond. It was a it was a a plus for definitely for parent catering and all the stuff as well. You get a bloody a balloon blower in the face painter and all the. It's just it, it's a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure with a, a kids party these days. I think just go back to the olden days where you just like you know a couple of Freddo frogs hidden in the backyard. And you whack something with a stick. Not even a piñata. Just uh, play a game of stick. Oh, that's a funny joke, by the way. Um, so when you uh, have a kid that's giving you the shits, you say to the kid, Hey, I'll give you five, 50 cents. I'll give you 50 cents if you can go into the backyard and find me the stick that I'm thinking about. So the kid runs out there, goes look for the stick, and then they bring the stick back and go, Yeah, that's not the stick I'm thinking about. You better go out and look again. And they just have to keep doing that all day until they bring back the right stick that you're thinking about. Which is ridiculous when you really think about it. Um, anyway, so two kid pa- kids parties in a row. Yesterday's was good as well. There was all, all sorts of pirate themed. So we went all out and Luna put on a pirate patch and we got there and there was water play. And mind you, she wandered off with... This is weird. She wandered off with two older girls. Um, one of the girls she'd met at Broadway Shopping Centre. This is strange. And she remembered her. And she said, do you mind if we take Luna? And I was like, yeah, no, that's fine. Like, uh, And they wandered off. And then I was thinking, geez, this could be like um, that film Hostel, where you know they get like girls to lure other young girls off to put them into the sex uh, trade or something like that. Except this is children luring children into an East European economy. Anyway, they were actually luring up the back of the um, the water play park to scale a roof of um, the toilet block, which is really really dangerous. It was a massive drop, so lucky I caught her just in time. Um, God, I'm an irresponsible little parent. I'm an irresponsible boy, irresponsible. Um, and yes, sorry if you think think that, but I mean, the podcast is not late. I'm just waiting until I've uh, got life out of the way so I've got stuff to talk about because I have been sitting quite maudlin this week because I had an incident. So something happened in Adelaide last Saturday night. I'm going to put it out there at the Exeter Hotel. I don't know what happened, but all I know is that on my bank statement, I bought only two beers because I'm not drinking really. Like, I'm really, really not drinking. Like, I had two beers to celebrate Saturday night because once you get through Saturday, a Saturday night audience in Adelaide uh, at the Fringe Festival is, uh, it's, it's it's work because everyone's got a lot of expectations on their Saturday night. They come in and go, you bloody better entertain me at Saturday night, mate. This is my big night off. So you've got to be everything to everyone. So I did a great show and I was like, good on you. You deserve a beer. So I went to my favorite pub in Adelaide. 
Now, I'm not going to say it happened in the pub, but something happened. Something definitely happened. I do believe I was spiked. I've spoken about it with various people um, around the pub and around the, the place in Adelaide. And uh, an incident apparently did happen. And I believe I was spiked because I have no, I had two beers. And I checked my bank statement, two beers. And I have no memory until the next morning when I woke up. The, the only thing I can see in my, in my head when I think about the night... I remember something about being in a car, and it was an Uber. I worked it out. Two Ubers, by the way. I got one Uber to another place. I uh, was only there for a minute, got another Uber, and finally went back to my accommodation, which is pretty crazy in the state of mind I was in that I was able to do that. Um, I don't know. And I'm not saying I'm like, I've got tickets on myself, and someone's looking at me going, oh, yeah, I'm going to bloody spike him and take advantage of him. I, I mean, maybe I did it to myself. I don't know. But uh whatever happened i have no memory of it and i arrived back at my accommodation and i woke up the next morning and everything was fine my backpack was full of all my tech so my life basically my laptop all the stuff for the show because all the visuals are in there i've been running off my own laptop just because i change it daily because i rewrite the show i came home with everything i own which is extraordinary um considering what state i was in but i have no memory and the next day the sunday night show i don't really i remember I do remember it. It was odd. It was very shaky. And I've had the shakes for um, four days. So I do believe I was spiked. And apparently it's a thing. Like People just do it for fun. They'll just go around and spike people and watch them and see what happens. I think I had the common sense in the state that I was in just to hot foot it straight into a cab. Because obviously I think I got a cab a couple of kilometers away. And then I got out, then ordered an Uber, went to Glenelg for no reason at all. And then got in another Uber and ended up back at my place. Thank goodness. But um, yeah, gosh, what on earth are they doing? And what what are they using? And when did they get the chance to do that? Because I know that I would have been talking to people and leaving my drink a little bit, my beer unattended or beers unattended. But you've got to be. I mean, aren't people looking out for that stuff? Seeing people be weird near drinks? Otherwise, there's something wrong with me or, or I did spike myself. But anyway... Very, very strange. So it's been a strange week of me um, feeling like I've been coming down off um, hardcore party drugs, which I don't know if you're a non-drug-taking person, which I am now, um, <laughs> but I wasn't in my youth. Uh, I, you know, there'd be a few days after uh, taking part hardcore party drugs where you're like, oh, I feel sad. So it, that's been the vibe this week, just like, oh, I feel sad. Um, it's been really nice to be back home, though, with my little girl who's driving me mad with her little fucking magical mind. God. Anyway, I'm going to play something right now, and then we'll get into some fun stuff. Stuff! When humans leave the room and stuff comes to life. The secret life of stuff. stuff! Swearing. No one knows why we do it. The Cantonese have over 40 different words for love, and the Eskimos have over 85 different words for snow. But did you know that there are 27 different words for get f***ed? Like for instance, if somebody touches you on the knee. Stop touching me on my knee, you double funt. Sometimes people make too much noise on the bus. Shut up, you brand new pair of Deodoras. Or you don't like their pants. You're a trundle bed. Instead of saying, Get that dog off my front lawn! Why not say... Come on, piss on the fire in my head, Condoleezza Rice! Or how about... Up your ass, handlebars! Or even... Shut up, you hold my 
upgrading card with a picture of a Labrador on the front reading a newspaper. Here are some more you can try. Ugh, you think you can sheep? You should be on the defrosting things with your cock channel. Why don't you go and get shunted, you jazz cassette? You complete and utter chutney. You remind me of VHS tape at night! Pamphlets about guttering. Up yours, picnic tits. Candle socks. Finger John. Rain shit. Glenn. Who's Glenn? I don't know. This is the worst documentary ever. Stuff! Fun stuff with Julie. Um, yeah. Oh, and there were lots of great messages last week about the episode that had the sofa shop in it. And I'm actually reaching out to those guys, and I've sent them a long email, which they've not replied to yet. They did get back to me, um, the guys from the Unmade podcast. Uh, I want to make a documentary. I think th it's an extraordinary story to be told. So I've reached out to them. They haven't got back to me yet, so they're obviously... Um, talking or discussing it or they're not interested which is totally fine you know if I don't get to make it I don't get to make it that's life um, but anyway uh, yes hey do you know I've I discovered this week and I would have been guilty of it in my youth as well young people when I say young people I mean between the ages of 18 to 22 don't know how to walk on footpaths or sidewalks they have no idea so they'll walk two abreast okay and you're walking toward them on a narrow footpath they won't give in. They will not give in and let you go past, say, with an infant. Because, hey, I'm, I'm 19 years old and I'm killing it. So they've kind of got this kind of... It's like um, when you see that... Uh, th this is taking it back a bit, but there's a scene in Sex in the City. Or sorry, there's something in Sex in the City. I had a... Sorry, I had an ex-girlfriend who was obsessed with Sex in the City. Then I got into it and I started watching it. It's a fine show. It's, I mean, it's not great. But it's... Um, yeah, it had its, I guess it had its moments. And uh, I, I ended up watching it all the time. But there's a, something in the opening scene where all four of them are walking along a New York street, um, four abreast, all holding hands, like, yeah, we're killing it. And I was just thinking how annoying that would be in New York, because that would never happen. You just That's not, not how you walk in New York, four abreast, owning the footpath. It's just, or the side, the sidewalk, as they call it. Um, but I've noticed it's, it's very young, it's a young people thing to do. And I noticed it in Newtown the other day when I was walking down the street. So many bloody millennials and Gen Zs, I don't even know what they're called anymore. Are they Xennials? The Gen Zs and Xennials, just bloody... I mean, they're all bloody bloody pro-trans um, rights and bloody equal opportunity and all this other shit, but they won't share the footpath, you fuckfaces. Do you know what I mean? Bloody stupid generation. <laughs> they're all for everybody else's rights, but your rights on the footpath. Share the footpath. Don't bloody just be swanning across it like you own it, because it's your night out. It's my night out. I'm 19 and no one's going to stop me. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, bloody... Bloody young people. I worked it out ages ago as well. I, was, I had this issue with millennials because they honestly, they walk around like they invented not being racist. That's the, 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 way, the way they walk around. Like everything was shit until their generation came along. Until, they, until they, we came along, there was no gay rights. Um, racism was rife. It's like, oh, bullshit. We're all bloody, we've, 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 we've all been trying to change that for years. You're just adding another little layer of like less hate to it. You didn't bloody change it all. Anyway, that's all right. If you're a, a uh, millennial listening um fuck you no don't um if you're a millennial just bloody calm down you didn't change the world okay they did it back in the 60s as well okay there was a love movement um they were putting daisies in the end of shotguns to protest the vietnam war and even before that the suffragettes and it's been going on forever okay um speaking of uh world pride is over it's over it's over and I've got to say, I'm really, really glad. This is going to sound like I'm a right-wing broadcaster, but I'm sick of the rainbow. And I know the rainbow represents a lot of different things. But it's the, I just don't like rainbows. It's not coordinated. It's messy. 
I don't like too many block colors all in one. Doesn't mean I'm homophobic. I just don't like it. I don't like rain. I like the rainbow in the sky, but the rainbow, no, it's just not for me. <laughs> and my uh, my brother who's gay, uh, he's the same way. Just like, oh God, get that rainbow out of here. God, you know, it's, I mean, it would be, it's kind of interesting. My brother's like a, I think I've mentioned in the podcast before. He's not really like this, but he is like this. He's like a truck driver that roots men. He's just a bloke. He's a blokey bloke and he loves blokes. You know what I mean? Like, so rainbows and Dorothy's red shoes and riding around on inflatable penises is just not his world. You know what I mean? Like, and I think I, I can actually understand this. I, I think I mentioned in an older podcast about how I had to come out of the closet as straight to my brother. Um, but the really uh, interesting side of this is I understand his side of it because I know a lot of I guess gay, especially gay men and uh, and gay women who really don't fit the stereotype in any way at all. And there is a stereotype, and we know what we're talking about. Look, when you walked around World Pride in Sydney and they were doing Priscilla floats, it's like, come on, that's the 1990s, guys. And I know you're celebrating a part of Australian history and queer culture, and I understand all that stuff. But what happened to all the, you know, the... I guess the straight, the button-up bloody accountants and lesbians with superannuation, my favourite float in any uh, gay and lesbian Mardi Gras ever. Um, anyway, the representation's really interesting when it comes to a rainbow. And I get the rainbow, it's all different flavours and all different, like, but I don't know. I think your obsession with your genitals is, just gets a little bit too much sometimes. I'm talking about it in general with people, like, um, and also straight men as well. Oh, fucking, you see her? Fucking, oh, do her? Oh, you, make, you I can't imagine what the stuff you do to her. I just, I'm such a prude. I'm really such a prude when it comes to sexuality. It's, I think it's the least interesting thing about you. I have no interest in what you did last night. None at all. I don't care who you rooted, how, what position, where. I've got, it's just the least, in, it's the most animal of you is that, and I know it's beautiful and sensual and all that shit. It's just something I don't, and some people really identify with it. That's the thing that they really identify with, with their sexuality and being sexy and out there and on the hunt and on the prowl and all that type of shit. Not me. I am bloody, I am, I am, I'm Safeway sex, Woolworth sex. I'm just like, I'm vanilla, I'm black and gold. I'm no frill sex man. That's me. Anyway. Um, God damn it. What the hell did I just say? I mean, I don't know whether that's... It, I don't think anything's cancellation-wise. Is anything cancelly that I just said? I don't think it was. I don't think I said anything bad there. In fact, I refuse to believe that I said anything bad there because I said it. Anyway, um, it's just nice to see the rainbows um, going. Not in, a, not in the bad way. It's just I, I find them... Um, I find them offensive just in just the way they look. It's just... The stylistically, I don't like. It's kind of like bad branding. Do you know when you go past a chemist, chemist warehouse and the whole building's yellow, navy blue, and red? I find that really offensive as well. There's just something about the branding that I find like, ah, and it's it's such a corporate dollar thing to chase as well. Like you know, oh yeah, yeah, we're all across it as well. So everybody's got a rainbow flag out the front. You're like, ah, oh, god, really? You at the milk bar as well? Do you really? Um, anyway, I, and I get it. We're inclusive and we're welcoming and I understand all that stuff, but just maybe just something a little bit more stylish. I don't know. Cause the flag is getting too busy as well. Cause you've got the indents with, um, non-binary and, oh God, I, I don't even know all the, um, yeah, all the terminology there. And you've got more and more, you're going to run out of colors. Number one on the flag as well. Um, anyway, I think there's, there needs to be something else there. Maybe the flag should be, if you mixed up all the colors, what color do you get? It'd be like a weird purpley brown. Maybe that should be the colour. 
Okay, I probably got myself cancelled then, but that's okay. Anyway, that's that's all good. Anyway, how are you guys going this week? I hope you're having a really uh, lovely week. I'm looking forward to really jumping into my week uh, tomorrow. So tomorrow's Monday, so I'm going to really start getting into it. I need to get my head back on, start job hunting, which is fun. <gasps> Sorry, hiccup. Uh, the details still... Oh, that's right. Sorry, the tea, I've had a tea towel incident. It's all good. They're, they're happening, but they're still not arrived. Like It's because I bought them cheaply. Um, costs a lot of money, but uh, I bought them cheaply and they're still coming. They're still coming. So your tea towels are coming. People on Patreon. Patreon! Thank you so much, but your tea towels are coming and they are going to look terrific. It's the uh, the Nisha's Quiche logo coming on a tea towel to you. Um, but I am still waiting for them to be shipped to me. And uh, once that happens, then it's going off to the mailroom, which is downstairs at my house. Um, anyway, so yeah, I'm sorry. They've not arrived yet, but they are coming, guys. They are bloody coming. Uh, okay, so how long have we been going? Oh, I've been going about 20 minutes. Should I drop something else in here? Yeah, let's bloody drop something else in here and then I'm going to rip into my partner. Once upon a time, there lived a boy named Clayton. Clayton was special, not in a way, but more like in a Clayton way. Clayton. But Clayton was no ordinary boy, for he had super magical powers when harnessing the elements of fire, metal, cardboard and Christmas. By the power of Christmas! When then Clayton would turn into the super mecha human robot, Claytron. Claytron with the most super terrible fantastic fun powers. In last week's episode, Claytron had incurred the wrath of the new girl at school, Hot Bronwyn, who had magically transformed herself into book. Take that, Claytron! Take what? I can't even feel anything. That. I still can't feel anything. What are you trying to do? F you. Why are you so angry all the time? Because you make me so. Oh, I don't know. Come on, book. Can't we just not be friends? But what about my slut cat? I love your slut cat. Come on, you silly old c Take my hand. Don't touch me. Yeah. There's nothing better than being best friends with someone. You can do anything when you've got a friend. When you need a friend, I will be there every time, yeah. When you need a friend, don't bottle up those feelings inside. I am a man, boy, connected to my feelings And you're like a man as well So let's begin the healing Next week on Claytron, will Claytron get arrested for sexual harassment in the workplace? Come over here and give me a hug, you book Hands off Or will book just learn to chillax? No one f***ing says chillax anymore Claytron! So this is, I think this is interesting. I've only just learned about love language, which is, I mean, it's, it's, a, bit of, it's a bit of, it's a bore, it's boring, a boring yet interesting concept of how love balances love. Now, it's really, it's, so this is how to describe it. So you have um, love that is verbal love. So you say, oh, I love you. I love you. I love you so much. I love you. So verbal love, physical love, cuddles, intimacy, oh, cut, snuggle cuddles. Um, service love, which is doing things for someone. So like doing the dishes, cleaning up around them. And there's a couple of other loves. Now it turns out that I am verbal love and services. Acts of service of my partner would be, um, ver uh, my, my partner's not many. <laughs> Work this out because 
but what my what my, my partner does have is oh, this is going to sound really awful as well. She's like a Labrador, and that sounds really awful again. My partner is like the loveliest being. Okay, her being, her soul is really like kind and gentle like a Labrador. You know when you see a Lab and they're like, oh, how are you going? And the tail's wagging and the eyes are all like chocolate tro- drops like looking at you like, oh, how are you? I've missed you. That's what my partner's like. That, and it's glorious. It's, it's the opposite of me. I'm, I'm sharp and acerbic and I've got angles and I look difficult and I am difficult. Um, but I... My partner lacks certain things, which is acts of service. Like, you know, there's stuff around the house that just won't get done because that's not what she does. But I'm not upset at her for it because I get um, a Labrador. I get, you know, the chocolate box dog. <laughs> Fuck. I don't know whether this is good, what I'm doing right now. And saying this, uh, it's it's a different form of love. And it's I guess it's agape, which is a Greek word for unconditional love. There's four types of love, I think, in Greece. So they've got four words for love. Eros, which means erotic love. Um, anyway, the last one's agape, which means unconditional love. No matter what, you will just love, which is the love you have for kids, um, the loves that love that dogs have for you and that you have for your pet and stuff like that. Anyway, um, she is agape. I don't know what I am. I'm definitely not Eros, the old prude, but I'm... Um, anyway, I'm, I, what would I be? I'm Eros love. Yeah, Eros. Or Savlaki love. Savlavli. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so it's it's... Words of affirmation, like telling um, somebody you love them. Acts of service. Gifts, which is, um, you know, that's not real. Um, I guess it is, though. It's, a, it's, it's a loving to give someone a gift. Well, some people do do that, don't they? They really do go all out and give roses, um, chocolates. It's like a 1940s cheating husband. But anyway, uh, gifts. Quality time. There you go. So cu- the time spent together doing stuff and physical touch. So I've realized that mine, uh, I've, I'm basically... Two and a half. So words of affirmation, acts of service, and half gifts. Whereas my partner would be uh, number four, quality time, words of affirmation, and I think she'd like more physical touch, which is maybe me giving away too much in the podcast, but possibly yes. But no, I don't think she... No, she's a little bit like me as well like that. But anyway, so... Oh, hang on. They're saying there's seven love languages. Hang on a minute. Let me have a bloody look here, please. Uh, physical, yeah, that's it. Words, that's five. Don't say seven if there's five. Uh, I do have physical touch though when it comes to my daughter. That and that and in every all in all in the wholesome way. But uh, always snuggles and cuddles. Snuggle cuddles. Like I said, she's my little snuggle poof. Got so many things to get cancelled for. So many things to get cancelled for. Uh, what else has been going on? Yes, uh, I I worked for the PNC on Friday morning, which was fun, which is the parents and... I don't even know, it's the parents committee. PC? Yeah, the parents... The PNC committee. PNC. No, it's parents committee. Which is basically you donate your time at the school and help out. We did a, we did a breakfast to get all the parents together and meet each other um, before the kids went to school and I had to bloody chop up some croissants and put some uh, cheese and tomato in them. It was fun. It was really, really fun and, and nice to get to know some parents and stuff. Um, yeah, interesting. It's, it's, it's a weird... It's a new It's a new world heading into to school and learning all these things. And I guess there's going to be also political stuff within and uh, different parents with different attitudes. And you never know who's, whose attitudes you're going to meld with or work with when your kids become friends with them. So your kid becomes friends with another kid and you meet that kid's parents. You're like, oh my God, we are absolute opposites in life. So that's going to be a real interesting one. And I can feel it. It's, go- it's boiling away. It's going to happen. 
I know full well that I'm going to, um, yeah, I'm going to meet a parent that I'm going to be like, oh, no, really? We're hanging out? But that's, that's, that's bloody, that's life, isn't it? We all have to get along and we all have to, anyway, I'm not saying anything. There's no one I've met like that, but you can just feel that's what's going to happen. I can feel it now. I've been really lucky with um, uh, preschool and stuff. Uh, and I reckon it's going to hit. It's going to hit. I can just tell. I, I guess maybe I might be overthinking, but I've got a feeling, I've got a feeling there's a couple of parents that really don't like me. Um, that might be my comedy that <laughs> they've seen before, or it might just be looking at my head. They're like, yep, don't like him at all. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for those relationships to evolve and then crumble, and we'll see what happens next. My Cannon Brooks, my Cannon Brooks, can you help me build a bridge between love and life and silly things? We need to get silly, things are so serious. My Cannon Brooks, can you remind me why we're not silly, 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 silly? Um, yes, looking for funding at the moment for Silly Billy Walk. I know it's taking a while, but I am getting there. We're getting there, and it will launch soon. I sound like the procrastinator. The tea towels aren't here, the Silly Billy Walk, but it's, uh, it's, look, it's beyond me. It's fine. Financial. I can't um, launch a, a national day without some form of grant funding. It's like, you know, it's impossible. So I'm trying my best and we're going to get there. It's just a long road. The road is long. That's a great song. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I had a great uh, conversation with a late... I think I just really confused her at school the other day about evolutionary dead ends. And I'm not wrong about this, but she was talking about saving the koalas. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's a good idea. They're probably at an evolutionary dead end, though, which is probably... I think it's true with marsupials, unless I'm just um, speaking out of my ass, but they're one of the most ancient uh, mammals on the planet, and they are kind of at an evolutionary dead end. I know one koala is basically... Not one koala, sorry, one specific subspecies of kangaroo is at an evolutionary dead end. I could look it up, but you could look it up yourselves. It's fun. Um, but yeah, and she kind of looked at me like I was mental, like this, there's no such thing as this. And I was like, well, no, buddy, look it up. But, um, it made me doubt what I was saying to her as I was saying it. Like, am I making this up right now? And then I had to go out to the car. I went straight out to the car, um, straight after seeing the kids into school. And I looked it up. I was like, no, I'm right. There is a, such a thing as an evolutionary dead end. But I do believe koalas are nearing that. It's not that they can evolve much more. Do you know what I mean? Like you've got the, remember the giant, um, was it megafauna? Like they had giant three-toed sloths and stuff. Um, they, some of them died out. They were in an evolutionary dead end. They didn't just evolve smaller and become like small three-toed sloths. They just like the big ones died out. I know mammoths were hunted to extinction and bison almost as well. And dodos definitely were hunted to extinction. But there are, I mean, the thysaline. I mean, mind that was, that was hunted again to extinction. But there are certain ones that just die out. They just peter out. A lot of them we wouldn't have even known about. That happened a hundred years ago before... Uh, you know, we went around looking at animals going, oh, we love them. Oh, by the way, I'm launching a new thing on Instagram, which is really fun, uh, which is called Everything You Need to Know About Animals in One Minute. And I'm going to launch with the Slow Loris on Monday, which is a an animal that had a became an internet sensation a few years ago because of a tickle video, um, which is another thing as well that's a sex porn thing, not with Slow Lorises, but with... Um, uh, young young men and women who are enticed to be tickled by creepy old men or creepy old ladies. Um, anyway, this is that they were tickling slow lorises, but it turned out there was actually a really uh, I don't think it put them through pain. A lot of said it was a lot of them said it was cruel to do it to a slow loris, but I don't think it was cruel. But it, what it did, it then made people then start. Hang on, there's a siren going past. Doesn't matter. We'll just involve it. 
Uh, I'll involve it in the story. I'll use it on like impro. And then suddenly the police walked up and said, hey, stop kicking that slow, Loris. Um, anyway, uh, so what happened is that then in Southeast Asia, start, people started like, uh, I guess, hunting, not killing, but trapping, sorry, trapping and then trafficking slow lorises uh, all over Asia because they became an internet sensation because they look like cute pets. Pets. Um, I don't think the tickling was cruel, but I will look into it. But I know they have a, to- a toxic um, gland in their elbow that they lick, and when they lick it, it stimulates a venom in their out of their elbow, and they mix it around in their saliva, and they bite you, and they paralyze. It's basically to paralyze bugs when they're eating bugs and stuff. Um, but it can make humans sick as well. But anyway, they're, they're fascinating animals. That's my first animal that I'm doing this week on Instagram, which will be the, uh, what is it again? Everything you need to know about animals in one minute. But the slow loris is a really, really cute one. Really fun one as well. Um, anyway, God, do I sound drunk? I'm totally not. I mean, I've not drunk since um, last Saturday night when I was spiked. Anyway, um, if you're dropping in late... Uh, no, you wouldn't, would you? No one drops into a podcast late. No one, like, fast forward, like, 45 minutes into it and goes, oh, what's he talking about here? The bo- the start's boring. Let's go, let's see what's going on 45 minutes in, mate. Oh, he got spiked. Um, anyway, God, I'm bloody rambling on today. Now, I'm not being political, and I'm not. I'm not being political at all, but there was something in the paper the other day. So, the, the, this used to be one of the world's great newspapers. It was The, uh, the Age, uh, from Melbourne, and also the Sydney Morning Herald. Basically the same... Um, publication and I've been subscribing for years to get my stuff from them but the other day I was just like nah enough and I've unsubscribed because they put out this stuff I just don't understand like, I really don't want to get uh, this is not even soapboxy it's just I don't understand am I that dumb that I don't see that this is a real threat but they were like saying that we could be at war Australia so for people internationally it's just it's a it was our broadsheet newspaper. Um, I guess it was left centrist in a way. Um, but I think now it's gone to the right because they sold it to someone. I don't know all the people are, but anyway, some bad man. Uh, some rich, you know, white tycoon kind of like stereotype. Uh, anyway, they published this article the other day called Red Alert. And it was this kind of this weird thing about like, they got five experts together to talk about the fact that China will will be at war with uh, with China within three years, which is terrifying to think about. And I was like, are we really? I mean, what do you mean? And they're talking about we need to get submarines in. I've heard all this stuff all week. We've got new submarines coming. So like, what? Am I, I can't be the only one that's sitting here listening to this. And I know I'm not the only one. Just going, what do you mean that we, we're getting ready to go to war again? Or go to a... Just to go to a war. What? I mean, unless you're going to rescue something, and I know what Taiwan's about, it's all about silicon and bloody, um, they make the, the, the microchip, 90% of the world's productive microchips come out of uh, Taiwan, and China won it because it was their land or something like that. It's just, what I don't understand is just this fear-mongering kind of like putting all this money into, what what's the worst? I mean, look, if we were to sit back and go, no, we're chill, man, and we're just nice people living on this island called Australia, and we don't have no army... Do, really, do you really think that people are just going to come over? I mean, maybe I'm just so dumb. I'm probably that stupid that I believe that people are kind enough. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the fact that no one set off a nuclear bomb or fired a nuclear bomb from Russia somewhere else because I think basically in our souls, I know there are serial killers and there's mad people out there that do awful, awful things, but there must be something as humans as this species that prevents us from doing this. And 
the China threat, this thing that people have there, I, I don't know whether it's a real thing. And, you know, you might be able to come up with all these facts that they are, but I don't know whether it really is because... And look, it's a documentary that I watched a few years ago from a guy called John Pilger. Um, and it's a great documentary. I can't remember what, it's, remember what it's called, but look up John Pilger, who's an Australian um, journalist, and China, and there's a lot about the South Pacific within it as well. But he made an analogy that made a lot of sense to me. He explained about capitalism and communism and how that works in their society because it's a different way. They, they live in their society in a different way to us, just as much as if we went to Fiji and watched them do something and went, we don't understand that, that's a, the, what that means to them. Does this make sense to you? Sorry if I'm stumbling over my words here. Um, but I'm, as, a, as, a non, as a non-brainy man, I'm trying to explain to you a concept that I found really interesting. And it's this, that if you were to stand on the tallest building in Beijing, this is metaphorically, and look out and look south at the South China Sea, you'd be surrounded by missile bases everywhere from Japan all the way through, um, all the way through basically to the other side to where, you know, the back of the continent where it borders Russia. So you got, sorry, the back of uh, China, the sorry, China bordering Russia, whatever. Shut up, geography face. Um, you've got missiles pointed at you from everywhere from the US um, military. Um, Russia, you don't, because Russia aren't, you know, facing, you know, missiles in or letting the Americans into, like, you know, point missiles at Beijing. Okay, so this is metaphorical, by the way. This is not, it's really there, but there are missiles all pointed toward China from US um, air bases or whatever they are, um, everywhere throughout. This is, this is like bloody politics for dummies right now. Good. Um, but if you were then to then put that on the other foot and say, stand up on the tallest building in New York or the tallest building in Los Angeles and they looked out, there's no missiles pointed. There's no Chinese missiles all pointed at Sydney or all pointed at New York or Los Angeles. But the other way, all the missiles are pointed from the US toward China and apparently they're the threat. The Chinese are the threat, not the American. It's just extraordinary. And you've got these fuckwits at the age writing these opinion pieces, hey, we've got to get all... And, and, look, I mean, we're doing it with our government right now. God damn it, I've gone conspiracy theorist! Um, <laughs> it just really angered me, and I'm rarely political, but it's just like, what? why are we doing this? Why, why are we not trying to promote something? There's way bigger issues out there. Look up the bloody, the Doomsday Glacier. If you really want to worry about things that are going on on the planet right now, look at the Doomsday Glacier in um, Antarctica. Anyway, I don't want to, this is not what this podcast is meant to be about. <laughs> It's just, it really annoyed me that a paper that I used to love so much, um, and really did, like I had real respect and, you know, you know, don't often agree with, you know, every journalist, do you? But, you know, something that I would look at daily, now I'm just not going to look at again because I just cannot deal with the fact that they're peddling such shit. Just hatred. I just don't get it. I don't get it. Um, yeah. Why can't we all just be, hey, that's, you know why? Because millennials invented not being racist. Thank you, millennials. You fixed everything. Anyway, good Lord. If you just got to the end of that, um, thank you. Uh, and you just went, wow. Is he all right in the mind? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. That was actually very well done. I hope you enjoyed what just happened there. It was, uh, I just imploded on myself and just came back with a really good, uh, as you, uh, what would you call it? A, not a comeback, a callback. <laughs> Trust. All right. Um, love you very much. I'm just going to play something right now. And then we're going into our deep dive. It's a doozy. Okay, um, well, I'm sorry about that. I had to go have a little bit of a... Maybe it's because I've had two... Co I had two coffees in a row. Maybe it's that. And I haven't been caffeinating um, 
overly. You know, here's a way to unbalance, um, and well, no, balance out all that stuff. Here's a lovely story that I thought about from my past. I used to have a uh, a manager at Woolworths back in the day. His name was Ferdy, and Ferdy was a lovely guy. And he really, he loved being a manager, loved it. I don't even think he, he definitely wasn't the store manager. He was an up and comer. So I would have been oh, 16 working at Woolworths and he would have been 24 and lovely little fellow. He's, he's like, his little um, uniform was always immaculate and really got into it. Loved the Woolworths spirit and what it was all about. Um, they had a musical once a year, like, um, where all the Woolworths staff would get together and they'd battle it out in a town hall and we'd all sing a song. And I remember ours was, um, it was a, so- a song from Sister Act. It was, anyway, it was terrible. We'll fo- I will follow him. Anyway, um, it was that. And Ferdy was right into that and choreography and stuff like that. And he was just like a real, co- he was a company man, a real company man. And he, um, I remember one day an old bloke came in who shat himself and he didn't know he'd shat himself and Ferdy was all over it like literally all over it. So the old bloke had pooed his pants and it was coming out of the bottom of his leg and he was traipsing it around the store. And instead of embarrassing the bloke, Ferdy was kind of just following him around, just kind of like scraping up his poo and pino cleaning it as he was going. So little plops would come out of the bottom of his pant leg and Ferdy would be there. And I just, it's one of the things that's always stuck with me through life. Um, was looking at Ferdy on his hands and knees and he looked up at me and I went, oh, you're, you're right there, Ferdy, because I wasn't going to help even if he did ask. And he could have asked me because he was my superior. And he just looked at me and goes, shit happens, mate. Shit happens. And yes, it does. Shit does happen. And uh, what dignity does... I mean, the dignity of someone like Ferdy to not embarrass the old man, um, but instead just slowly follow him around and just clean up the shit that he's scuffed all through Woolworths, uh, all through the Gravox aisle. Um, yeah, that's that's dignity right there. Good on you, Ferdy. That, anyway, that... This one's going out to Ferdy from Woolworths. Can't remember your surname, but I hope you're doing well, buddy. I imagine you're quite you're quite trim in the day, but I, I, I've got a feeling you have the capacity to be massive. I imagine he's quite a heavy set man now, and he's happy in his life. He's got a few kids, maybe a grandchild on the way. Don't know. Anyway, Ferdy, I miss you, buddy. Today's world is full of things, but where did they come from, and how did they begin? Sam Simmons, The Precise History of Things. Garnish. Hey Sam, what's that on your ear? Oh, don't worry, it's just a basil leaf. Mm. You know, garnish is a substance used as an embellishment or decoration on a prepared food, dish or drink item. In some cases, it may give added or contrasting flavour, but a typical garnish is used to augment the visual impact of the plate, not to enhance the flavour. The first time someone garnished something was an accident. It was when a finch landed in a bowl of curry at an Indian restaurant in London in 1936. Lord, what is it? I think it's some sort of curry finch. Well, I want one too. Waiter, fetch me a decorative curry finch. Yes, I'll have another. Garnish can make any mediocre meal look terrific. You know, I normally wouldn't have eaten that possum, but when I saw the slice of folded over orange on its head, I just, I just couldn't stop myself. Common garnishes include carrot sticks, cherries, cinnamon sticks, and toothpicks with cellophane on the end. But watch out, if you get one of those in the eye, you'll see in 3D forever. 
Other garnishes include strawberries and tiny paper parasols and cocktail olives stuffed with pimentos. What's a pimento? You see, a pimento is like a tiny little Spanish memory. Like... Do you pimento when we ate chorizo in Barcelona? Oh, what a great pimento. Yes, happy, happy times. times. So why not put garnish into practical use? Wake up in the morning and see your neighbour's cat's been hit by a car. Hey, Sam, it's nothing a sprinkling of chives won't fix. Garnish. I wish I could use garnish on my face. Then I'd be better looking. Yes, you would. Sam Simmons, the precise history of things. Rightio, so this week's deep dive is brought to you by some Year 5 students. So, I was handed a manila envelope in Adelaide over a, uh, over a fence um, last Saturday night? Was it last Saturday? Yeah, it was last Saturday night. And um, anyway, the teacher, this is from Sarah, and basically this is how it goes. So I open up the manila envelope on Monday and it says, Dear Sam, I was feeling a bit silly one Friday afternoon, uh, the lesson before the bell, and my students in year five and six needed NAPLAN writing practice. Instead of some prompt featuring a unicorn flying above a rainbow or uh, a wrinkly humanoid tree, I chose to show them your photo on the back of the page. Now, it, the image is of me looking pensive, or shocked. It's interesting. She's chosen a really great image where you're like, oh, I wonder what that facial expression means. But it's uh, it's an image of me on Cat's Countdown looking, probably being insulted by Jimmy Carr, actually, is the look on my face at the time. Um, in, okay, so basically it says, they, they that was the prompt for their writing project. And it says, this is Sam. He's a comedian. Write me a story about Sam. I instructed, I instructed. I've sent you some of the more amusing stories and hope you like them. This is great. My husband and I have seen you, all your shows at the Fringe and we love your work. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. And, you know, I got back to you on uh, socials as well. So I hope you enjoy this. So I'm going to read out some of these because they're bloody cute. This one's from Vivian. Here we go. Sirens Whale. Policemen surround Sam. What have I done, protests Sam? You've been discovered at the scene of a crime. I mean, that's kind of face racist straight away. She's looked at my face and gone, mustache, looks like you're up to bloody no good. You're required at a hearing in uh, one minute at the police station. <laughs> Shouts the police officer in charge of the group. Oh no, thought Sam, frantically trying to worm his, worm his way, worm his way out of the officer's clammy, cold, death-like grip. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. Uh, a succulent Chinese meal? Anyway, that makes me think of that straight away. Uh, hold still, vermin. If you still want to see another sunset again, mutters the officers. That's police brutality right there, Vivian. Uh, holding a knife to Sam's throat? Oh my god. What is a bloody corrupt police officer? Sam stops. He has a horrible feeling that they're being watched. The police policemen stop too, waiting. Waiting for something to happen. The bush by them rustles. It rustles again. Suddenly a lion jumps out of the bush. The officers are scared half to death. Sam's heart pounds in his chest. Was the lion friend or foe? The lion roared, Get on my back, stranger. I mean you no harm. Sam did what the lion told him. They pounded through the bush. Now on the other side, Sam looks around. His jaw drops. He's in the middle of a jungle. The lion has shape-shifted into an Asian man. Jerems, my old buddy, Sam explained in his dumbstruck amazement. And they went for the hills. The end. From Vivian. Oh, I love it. Vivian? Oh, I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. And you're, you're, look, you're partially correct there. So there actually is. I can bring you something here that you'll enjoy. Um, there is an Asiatic lion. It's called the Goanese lion. There's not many of them left. I think there's about 500 in the wild. And they're in Goa in India. 
So you're kind of right. You could actually have a shape-shifting lion that turns into a, um, a, I guess, a southern Indian man. There you go. All right, good job, Vivian. This is Sam's Balloons. This is by Liam. Why are you kids so stubborn? Sam cried. Why does nobody want to buy my beautiful, totally safe, not rigged to send you floating into the sky balloons? Sam exclaimed. <laughs> exclaimed. Maybe you would if you didn't look like Super Mario. Ah, there we go again. A bit of face racism. Um, faceism. And keep shouting at us to buy them, one kid yelled. Sam was getting annoyed now. All that he wanted to do this morning was send a couple of kids flying up high into the sky. As you do, Liam. That's all I wanted to do. It's like, bloody hell, I just want to attach some kids to a balloon, send them up into the sky. Then use the profits to buy some more bigger fake mustaches. <laughs> If he didn't earn enough money to buy bigger moustaches, everybody would keep saying he looked like Carlo Ricci. Oh my... Oh, Carlo Ricci? He's another comedian. You know him. Which was super annoying to Sam, and it happened a lot. Um, come on. I'll even lower the price from $3 to just $2.95. No way, the same kid yelled again. Super Mario is so 2020. The other kids murmured in, in agreement. Fine, Sam wailed. If you don't want any of the balloons, I'll have them. He was so angry he forgot that he had rigged the balloons to float up really high. He untied the big bunch of balloons that he had tied to a nearby light pole. The second he untied the light pole, he realised what he had done. No! He wailed, but it was too late. He flailed around and cried for help as he started floating higher and higher up into the sky. But as much as he screamed and cried, nobody came to his aid. Aww! The kids all stood there, looking up at floating Sam. Once he was out of sight, one kid shrugged plainly. <laughs> well, that was a waste of time. <laughs> oh my god. Liam, that's brutal. I love it though. Thank you. Okie dokie. Well, this is from Henry. This is called Sam the Naughty Man. I've had that before. Sam likes Josh. Okay, George, so be nice. Or Sam will suck a lemon and not a watermelon. A lemon, so be nice or I'll send you to the principles. There's no punctuation here, so here we go. Let's start again. Sam likes Josh, okay. George, so be nice or Sam will suck a lemon, not a watermelon. A lemon, so be nice or I will send you to the principal's office. Sam didn't want anyone to go there. Sir Jamuel Simons, which is the principal, likes to hit kids with his belt that he bought from Rotten Gun for $400. It was especially made for spanking kids. <laughs> God. It's scary just looking at it, six feet long of rusty steel. When it hits kids on the behind, the pain was endless. They could feel their lives flashing before their eyes as it slices open their guts and blue squirts so far it gets in Sir Samuel Simon's eyes. Once when Lawrence was struck five times for eating his lunch with his mouth open, he slapped Sir Samuel Simon's in the face. Then his face went splat onto the ground like it had been run over by a truck. But, but, but the Lawrence took the belt. <laughs> and shanked it 15 times, loving his revenge. And five hours later, he walks away. <laughs> what is that? That's like one of my comedy skits. Oh, good, good stuff, Henry. All right, this is The Ninja Called Jeff by Maddie. The crowd was in an uproar. The spotlights had gone off. One by one, phone lights turned on and illuminated the stage. Standing in front was a ninja dressed in black. Sam abruptly changed the channel. I was looking for the news, not some random action movie, he mumbled, to no one in particular. Come on, you need to get ready for your show, called Marcy, his assistant, grumbling up. He got up. I'm oh, sorry, he got up. I am already ready, <laughs> he muttered. I'm already ready is great. Uh, uh, just getting in the car now, he said in a louder voice. As I arrived back uh, the, way, uh, the back way, he hurried inside. Um, where's your hat? Marcy asked him. Groaning, he realised, mm, I left it in the hotel. 
Oh, but don't go get it. We're already late. A soft thud echoed in front of him. He slowly turned around and it dawned on him that uh, the bad action movie was actually the news he was looking for. Standing in front of him was the ninja looking... What? Was the ninja. Looking for this, they taunted. In their hand was his hat. Yes, he shouted. The lights went off and Marcy called bodyguards. A series of headlights turned and the bodyguards emerged. They chased after the ninja and the ninja dropped the hat. There was the sound of a scuffle, but bodyguards came back and the ninja in, with a ninja in handcuffs and no mask. Jeff, he gasped. Remember me? The ninja said dejectedly. Of course I do, Sam said. You are my former assistant. Where did you go? You were dearly missed. Jeff's eyes softened. I went to university and, start, uh, and, started, and started Kung Fu as a side hustle. But why did you leave? I tried to tell you, but you're way too busy. Always too busy, Jeff exclaimed. Marcy cut in. But you came back and attacked Sam. I didn't attack him. I just wanted to see his show and give him his hat. What about his other comedy show? Misread the directory, Jeff exclaimed sheepishly. Okay, I believe you, said Sam. And you can have a VIP, VIP seat for my show. After the show, Jeff came to say goodbye properly. I have to go back to Melbourne, he said. Bye, he said over his shoulder as he strode off. Sam had his hat back, but he didn't think anyone knew about his fake moustache. When he reached up to stroke it, it wasn't there. Hey, he shouted after Jeff. Come back! Oh, there's a lot of layers to that one, Maddie. That's great because what's going on there is the hat then got a uh, miss. You did a miss. What's it called? A miss? A, a miss place? A miss? A miss? Miss Noma? Anyway, um, so basically I wasn't looking at the mustache. That's a misdirect. Definitely it's, it's known as a misdirect. I know that. Okay. Here we go. This is from Zach. Right as the clock hit 9am, there was a loud crashing sound and a white blur flashed across the arcade. Roger was startled and dropped the prizes he was stocking onto the shelves. He cautiously came out from behind a counter and peeked around the corner only to see his favourite costumer playing his favourite game, Super Mario. You gave me a fright, Sam, Roger scolded. Sorry, Sam apologised distractedly. He had his eyes glued to the game. One day you'll break that game, Roger whispered under his breath. Sorry, Rosper rigid. Uh, it was late that night when Sam went home and Roger was tired. He closed his eyes and went to sleep at his counter. The next morning when Sam burst into the arcade and ran to the Super Mario, he was devastated to find that it was broken. Roger strolled over to Sam. A robber broke in last night and tried to steal it, Roger explained. He walked back to his counter. Sam was so desperate to play his favourite game, he played it anyway. But to his horror, he got sucked into Super Mario. Sam soon learned the ways of Super Mario and now enjoys being the main character in his favourite game and Roger's mornings are much more relaxing and peaceful. Because <laughs> uh, real Sam got sucked in. Sucked in, Sam! Alright, this is uh, by Oliver. Sam, here we go. The timer was ticking. This was $100,000. 3, 2, 1. Beep, beep, beep. He had lost. Sam exited the building crying. Why is my luck so bad, he cried. When he got in his car, his family was waiting for him. So how did it go, his wife said. How do you think, he shouted. Sorry, I'm just guessing you didn't get it, said his wife. Yep, said, sad, said Sam sadly. When he got home, Sam got on the computer and checked his emails. It was an email from NASA asking if he wanted to go to the moon. He was so excited he accidentally hit the delete button. He was so sad, he went to the cliff and sat there with his legs dangling off the edge. Suddenly he heard someone behind him. Answer the question or you're dead, said the mysterious stranger in a low voice. The question was the same as in the quiz. Five, four, three, two, one. Answer B, Sam screamed. He got it right. The stranger backed away and Sam ran as fast as he could back home. <laughs> Gee, that's intense, Oliver. That was intense. 
Okay, this one is from Iris. Now, Iris's story has a picture of a golden... Uh, what do you call it? No, what are, the, what are these dogs called? This is a... It's a German Shepherd. It's a, yes, an Alsatian. Here we go. Here we go. Ah, kablom. Where am I, muttered Sam as he awoke to the eerie darkness. Sam did not know yet, but his mother had been turned into a German Shepherd and he had fallen into a deep, dark hole. As he, as he walked, he was presented with three tunnels, one leading into the deep darkness where he might fall and hurt himself, poor boy. Another well lit, but seemed to go on forever. The last was by far the worst dimly lit that a suspicious slaying noise arose from. Sam went to, wow, this one's quite mysterious. Sam went with the second one. Oops, it seemed to go on for days, but only a few meters. Until he saw the light of sun, the call of the birds until plop, he fell into a pool of bioflim, slimy stuff in drink bottles. Yuck! exclaimed Sam as he clambered out. The icy air hit him fast and he stepped up as he stepped up on a rock. But then out of nowhere, kablat! He was injected with the same thing his mother, as his mother causing him to turn into a German shepherd. Ah, oh, darn! exclaimed Sam. Just then his mother came out. Oh, Sammy, golly gosh, how are you? But it sounded more like woof, 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 woof. <laughs> Oh, Iris. Um, mm, I think mm, that might... Look, I don't want to do favourites. That might be my favourite, though, guys. That's very, very funny. Uh, okay, that's great. Okay, here we go. This is called Sam's Day at the Zoo. There's no name on this, so I don't know who wrote it. But anyway, here we go. <sighs> A normal day at the zoo. Sam pulled up to the zoo car park and then saw an eight-year-old kid holding a fairy floss. He knew he needed it. <laughs> God. He went up to the kid and said, Hello kid, can I have that? And the kid said, If you go into the tiger enclosure, Sam shook the kid. What? Sam shook the kid midget hand? Oh my goodness. Sam set off to the tiger enclosure. He, he didn't know how he could get in. He saw a zookeeper called Chet tossing a deer carcass. The tigers devoured it like a kid with a plate of chopped chip cookies. That's very vivid. Good writing, whoever you are. Um, he knew how to get in now. Sam needed that fairy floss. And he knew what to do. He remembered that he had a Gucci tiger skin shirt he got three days ago. That's like the Tiger King. He went home and got his tiger skin shirt, came back and a hat and a whole meter of sausages. He threw it down and climbed down. Then a tiger called Leon, good name for a tiger, because like Leo uh, is, a, is a lion and Leon is uh, of Leo. Anyway, uh, a tiger called Leon saw him climbing down those juicy hot dogs. Um, then the zookeeper Chet saw him climbing down while the little eight-year-old kid was still holding it. What? Sam pulled away, uh, pulled out a Wagyu steak, ooh, posh, in his backpack. Leon snatched it from Sam, then Chet pulled him out. Thank you, Chet, said Sam. Then Chet ripped off his mustache and ran as fast as he could. The eight-year-old kid gave him the fairy floss. Then Sam ripped a little bit of fairy floss and put it under his nose. Then he ran as fast as he could after Chet with his mustache. They ran through the city, past the bank, through the botanical gardens, through the museum and around the mart. Sam was tired. He looked down at his watch and he saw he walked 36 kilometers in three hours. Chet followed down, slowed down as well. He said, uh, Chet slowed down as well. Sam said, if you win me in a game of you know, you keep my mustache. But if I win, I get it back. Deal, said Chet. Sam pulled out a deck of and a 1980s cassette player with the tape that says the good, the bad and the ugly. They had a good start while the good, the bad and the ugly theme song was playing. Then Chet had one card left. Sam remembered to, be, uh, to pick up his draw four card and slapped it on the deck. Six minutes later, Sam was on his last card. It was four green. Chet 
Chet's head green. Uh, as his change colour card was placed, uh, which was the second to last card, then Sam placed it on and won his moustache back, then Sam slammed the fairy floss into his face. Chet was fired working at the zoo, while Sam bought a spicy buffalo sauce sub with juicy chicken tenders, nacho cheese sauce, flaming hot buffalo sauce, spicy Cheetos, garlic parmesan sauce, and chicken eggs by the sea! Oh my god, that, that's like stepping into my mind, whoever you are. Well, I love that he had that, I like that he had that flaming hot buffalo sauce, uh, spicy Cheetos, garlic parmigiana, and chicken eggs by the sea. Chicken eggs by the sea. Well, you're not eating lizard eggs. Oh, here we go. Alright, this is, uh, this is the final one, I think. Uh, yes, the crowd roared as soon as Sam got to the stage. Ah, I like the sound of this one. Then he announced that he, the, the joke he loved to everyone. Why did the chicken join the band? Because it had drumsticks. The crowd was roaring with cheer. Sam announced, that one was one of the funniest jokes I knew. He left the stage with a big wave to everyone. As soon as he got backstage, he tripped over. He was lying on the floor and noticed a big deep hole. He whispered to the people backstage, I wonder why that's there. He stood up and immediately went to, to find someone who could fix it. Finally, he found someone who could fix it. His name was Ben. Everyone said that he could fix anything. Sam got that from his friend Bob. Sam brought Ben over to see if he could fix it. Sam was quietly waiting, staring at Ben. God, this is like Fox in Socks. Um, while he was staring at... Uh, what? He was talking to... What? Hang on. He was quietly staring at Ben while he was taking a look to see if he could fix it. Then Ben looked over at Sam and said, Sorry, Sam, but I can't fix it. It's too deep. <laughs> Sam was shocked. He thought, well, why would Bob lie to me? Then Ben suggested that maybe we should try to put sticky tape over the top of it so no one trips over it. So that's exactly what Sam did. He went looking for sticky tape. He found the sticky tape inside uh, a drawer and patched it up uh, where he had finished doing it. When he had finished, uh, when he had finished doing it, he thought it was fine. He looked at the clock and noticed it was 9pm. He remembered he was supposed to get home at 8 for dinner. His mum told him to be home no later than 8, not even 10 minutes late. His mum was expecting him one hour ago for dinner. Sam sprinted to his car, put the keys in and zoomed off. He wasn't focusing on driving, he was focusing on getting home. He went through lots of red lights but nobody caught him. He didn't notice that he was one on a one-way road going the wrong way. All of a sudden he hit another vehicle, the airbags went off and he immediately fainted. <laughs> God damn it! He woke up and was inside hospital. His parents were right next to him and asked, and he asked, where am I? His mum responded and told him, you're in hospital. You had a bad car crash. You've broken two arms and broken two legs. <laughs> the doctors were there when he woke up. When he woke up, the doctor said, Sam, you can't perform, play sports, or leave the hospital for two months. Then they told him it was very serious. Sam was so sad. Two months later, he was good as new. He could now play sport, perform, and leave the hospital. He was so happy. The next week, Sam went back to stage to tell everybody the whole story. Oh, that's funny. Hang on. Everyone was quiet because you've written whole, as in H-O-L-E, and I think you, I'm, I'm, I may be preempting that you're meant to do that. So everyone was quiet when Sam was, ta was talking, and at the end, he took a bow, and the crowd was roaring. Everyone was so surprised how brave he was. They all said at once that they were never uh, said at once they were never going to forget that. He left with a huge bow. Before he took a bow, he said, "Thank you for coming and thank you for listening. Good night." And then he left the stage. Sam was so happy he could share his story, his scary and brave story, with everyone. He was surprised at how much they loved it. Sam thought they were going to hate his story, but Sam took a guess, that, and that guess was wrong. They thought that Sam was so brave. Sam even thought that he was brave because he was. What? <laughs> he was so happy they liked it. <laughs>
He went home to tell his mum that he announced his story to, to a crowd and how much they loved it. And Sam's mum said, they thought you were brave because you were. Then he went to bed that, bed that night super duper happy. They liked it and his mum was proud of me being brave. <laughs> That's never happened before. It was a shock. His mum said that. His mum was proud of Sam, which is unlikely. Yes, he screamed with excitement. His mum even heard him and she was downstairs. She could tell that Sam was excited. Sam's mum went up to say goodnight and said, Sam, you're awesome at performing, playing sport and being brave, she said. Dad would have been so proud. By Chloe. Oh my, that was such a lovely one to end on. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, you beautiful kids. Well, um, look, there's no, it's not about winners and losers. They're all absolutely uh, exceptional and weird and funny and really well written and deep. And uh, they evoked, the, the, was it a, a, an evocative nature um, that, was, uh, that was roused within me? And it was brilliant. So thank you very, very much, guys. I really, really love that you did that. So that was, I don't know what school it was from, but I probably shouldn't say what school it was. But, um, Look, thank you, Miss Sarah. Thank you so much for letting me do that. That was my deep dive for this week. That was Nisha's quiche for this week. It was an odd one, I've got to say. It was an odd one. It got political at the uh, in the middle in the middle bit. Uh, it got even more absurd than what I normally would do with the kids' stories. And we learnt some stuff, we loved some stuff, we had some fun and we cuddled at the end. It was an oral cuddle in your ear hole, ear hole, yeah. Um, thank you so much for listening. I can't wait to get back to you next week, hopefully with some job news. News, news. Love ya. Have a wonderful week and um, just be kind to each other. Be nice, be kind and chill out. 